listening tonight I got a feeling that the cards just ain't right I'm so salty, must not give in to rage And I'm wondering what those rollers will say Scarves to the left of me, cheers to the right Here I am, gonna roll a derby tonight Gonna roll a derby tonight Gonna roll a derby tonight Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hidden City Roller Derby. I am your host Simkoff and joined as always by co-host Remedy aka Glenn. How are you sir? How, how's it going Ben? How are you going tonight? Excellent. Um, pretty excited. We've got a very exciting interview to uh, give you tonight. Uh, so the show, uh, lots of things been going on. Um, so the interview with the Brisbane crew, we'll, we'll, we'll cross over to that in a little bit. Uh, we've also had uh, a huge weekend of elemental championships uh, with new clans suddenly claiming the mantle. Uh, it seems like that restricted list has really shaken things up. Uh, we've got a whole ream of new spoilers uh to to talk about and also glenn is as the um as the, the the innovator that he is uh you heard it first about turbo yurt here on the hidden city roller derby and this time he's got a second hit he's going to talk to you about the exciting world of mill the exciting and interactive world of mill i repeat um so very exciting episode tonight uh let's Let's uh, talk about. Have you been playing any sort of L5R recently, Glenn? Just, just, just mill, or you've been experimenting outside the mill archetype? No, I, I, I've continued playing that deck that Bert shuts me down on with the even the odds lion deck. Um, being able to voice of honor, you know, those five fires plays and the, the, you know, shut down those four G deck plays on your charges. It's been good. <laughs> lion, 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 lion seem quite good, man. Like. Even the I've, even the odds are Yujiaki and then fired off his ability. It's just I don't know. It's just fun to kind of find these synergistic plays. All courtesy of the yeah. seals. The seals seem to enable all these combos. Man, seals are strong. Which which seals you're, you're talking about? Seal of the lion. So seal of the lion in the lion deck. Um, but I've also been messing around with the crab berserker deck with the seal of the crab. So we're just trying to get all the seals and restricted lists. But the still the dragon still hasn't hit the list, so long way off for the other ones, yeah, I think. I, I think Seal the Lion is probably not quite at the top of Tyler's thinking in terms of cards that are really busting up the environment at the moment. <laughs> not just yet. So, so I mean, it's for even the odds, right? Is there any other cards that relies around? No, I guess to make no legitimately, uh, it's just that one card. It's just that one card. Like, I, it is literally six cards that work off each other. Like, it's not. Nothing else special than that. Well, is that what's that guy? Not uh, Toshi something or other. There's the two coster who gets plus six force and blows up unless you've got a commander. You can stop him blowing up. <laughs> Just like keep him around, like eternally, like getting plus five but not winning. Uh, you know, not breaking conflicts. Seems. Yeah, man. Just win some rings and, and win via honor or dishonor. Maybe. I mean, maybe maybe you could add in fall in the battle and uh, you know just constantly kill the character that they put in the way. Yeah, I love it. It doesn't actually let you win the game, but it does feel good. No, um, but yeah, so I've just been playing that, and then I had my locals tonight, so I played uh, some Scorpion Mill, uh, and <laughs> the results were I could probably more openly dishonor them if I didn't go for the Mill win condition, but 
which it is fun is to empty your opponent's deck into their discard. What were you playing there? That was your Scorpion Mill deck, was it? Yes, Scorpion Mill. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's let's get into the Scorpion Mill deck later on, but we might just do a little bit of a shout-out. Uh, your locals tonight, I think it was... Uh, we have a, a, a legendary player from, from Melbourne who's um, leaving us to, to, to return to his uh, homeland. Um, Marwin, the salt master himself, he's probably the saltiest and most excitable player I've ever played with. Um, he is the master of the maze. I know that Toridori has it as his logo, but I think Marwin is really... He's the man who's mastered playing maze and, and losing with that card. Uh, so I think you got to play a last few games with him. Was that a, was it a good send-off? Yeah, um, it was quite great. He played Maze of Illusion on me four times, and I successfully guessed three times. <laughs> Didn't disappoint. So I was quite zen about it. <laughs> Paid four, oh, four fate to dishonor and bow one character. It was almost like yeah, a fate worse than death sort of value. I feel like sometimes there's these characters that find their way into playgroups, um, and and they just like they really add to the um, to the atmosphere of the game of of the community, uh, you know. And I think sometimes those players like like Marwin who have such a big uh, presence uh, when they sit down, and they're so much fun to play with. Um, and they just they get so frustrated with themselves and they make mistakes, but they also just play the craziest decks. Uh, I just I'm gonna really miss the guy. Um, and and uh, wherever he lands next, uh, I hope he inflicts his particular version of uh, of of a rage and glory <laughs> on them. Yeah, no, <laughs> he, he definitely people... he definitely added to yeah. the playgroups that we played in, and it wasn't a tournament without him. Uh, you know. There's a little cry from the table they was playing at if uh, <laughs> <laughs> if he got mazed or if the four G came didn't go his way. Um, I Kikuyo he's display of powers a bit too, and he he, he just reminded me of like I was, he's gonna, I'm gonna miss the guy uh, when he goes <laughs> when he goes away. Uh, but yeah, he's been great. Um, Kikuyo his display of powers. I've just got just got less and less respect for you. Well, even worse, I Kikuyo his. Um, <laughs> I kick you with these five fires that I milled off the top of his deck, so he had to play it into the conflict. So, so you can uh, you can definitely get that salt coming out quite early in a match. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's a great guy. Uh, yeah, he'll be sorely missed here in Melbourne. Yeah. Yes, yes, he will be, um, and we wish him the best of luck with whatever he does next with his life. Um, just not playing L five R in Melbourne, it seems like. <laughs> Um, I think it's so much fun. Like I've I've had uh, various players um, in different card games that have those sort of bigger than life uh, personalities, and they're they're always great to have around the game. Um, and what you're talking about, where like you're yelling very early on, um, you hear from across the room. I used to call it, well, the the group I used to play with in this other card game I played with, we called it the Cry of Doom. And the Cry <laughs> of Doom was uh, when you got to a particular point in the game and you realised your position was lost. And you cried very early. I used to play this multiplayer game called Vitez, Vampire the Eternal Struggle. And um, it was like a vampire card game. It was multiplayer and fun. And it used to always be at the big tournaments. It used to always be like a bit of a reward slash a razzing for the person who would uh, cry, who would bring the Cry of Doom first. <laughs> and I think like it used to be like if, you, if, if the Cry of Doom happened within the first hour, it was a two-hour game. You're kind of like, come on, man. 
it's like not even an hour yet just relax there's still a lot of game to go but slowly but surely over the years it became sooner and sooner and, and I think once we had somebody uh, at a final make the cry of doom saying that their position was lost and there's no way they could win the game before they even sat down they arranged the seating and they went oh that's it game is over so <laughs> I just I just love that idea I guess if you build a mythos about yourself you're eventually going to become you know it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy if you uh if you make that cry of doom eventually you're going to cry it before you before you've even got into the game yeah absolutely so um i attended uh, a local tournament uh on the weekend uh it was a lot of fun um it is in this this meta that's uh fast becoming i think for a while you know, when we got back from Worlds, uh, you know, post-Worlds, you're thinking, all right, we've got these new roles, but Coat, Children of the Emperor is going to come out, you know, in December. So, like, it's pretty much a lame duck meadow. Then we found out it was January, and now it's February. And so it's actually now, you know, it's going to be like a three-and-a-half-month meta, and it's probably one of the longest metas that we would have had in total for the card game. Like, the one that we're playing at the moment in terms of the environment would probably be very close to... Maybe there was that little gap in the elemental cycle between that and, uh, and disciples but essentially it is the longest sort of time we've had to stabilize and play around with cards um so it was interesting to see what people were doing with this very known environment uh and i'll tell you what it was pretty hard tournament there was six players but um like four had a motors or something um and it ended up uh, uh j jk uh fellow uh, roller ended up winning with a crab deck a uh I call it the uh, no innovation crab. Um, it's the just crab with the unicorn splash, the same deck that people have been playing with forever, except now it's got three uh, fight-ons in it because they can play it. It turns out it's still super, super, super strong <laughs> and probably stronger with those those fight-ons in it. Um, yeah, that beat my beat my dragon deck there. Um, can you see, do you, what, what's your thoughts in terms of where crab are at the moment, with, especially with fate worse than death disappearing from the meta? Do you think... Crab uh, have have got what it takes to be a tier one for the next month or so. Yeah, I I think they're probably one of the best gatekeeper decks at the moment. Like if you really want to test a new deck, it's probably good to see how the matchup goes versus that crab unicorn deck. Um, I haven't played yeah. much of it, but it feels quite strong. I've been more messing around with the whole broker sack pack uh, no attachments deck, but. Um, yeah, right. it's definitely, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely really, it, it has been really solid, and I think Fight On I, and Crisis Baker kind of uh, elev- have elevated that deck back to a very competitive level. And with Unicorn Rising, it, it's very good to have a crab deck that can address their aggressiveness early on, as well as uh, Lion. Yeah, I definitely use um, Jay. Jay's an exceptionally strong uh, player of the game, and he's he's been playing crab for a long time. Uh, so I use I certainly use that deck uh, playing against him as a bit of a litmus test to see with whatever new wacky creation I've got whether or not it's just total jank or I can actually have a chance of making it competitive. And usually the first five or six games I get beaten soundly, and then slowly but surely I try and oh, I'm, I figure out whether the, whether the deck has any true potential. Um, it's good to have that as well. Like I think there's something to to be thought about, which is in your local playgroup. A lot of local playgroups have that guy who's really really hard to beat that player who's just kind of your uh, your end boss if you want and they're actually really good to have in your group even though you might not win many games against them uh they're good because as you're coming up with new ideas or as you're testing for a tournament that might be outside your local play group 
if you're traveling cross town to a different city or wherever else for, for a Kote, having those gatekeeper people there, I think is a fantastic resource. And so maybe don't, um, maybe like take a different attitude when you're playing them. Just walk into it going, I'm here because I want to take on somebody who's good. So let's just see how we go. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that it's probably a great way to do testing um, if you don't want to play entirely on Jigoku. Um, you can kind of build that local community up and, um, you know, I think, like, at least out in Ringwood at the moment, we're truly trying to uh, all improve and get better. And uh, just, like, for other card games I play, I'm trying to make the Ringwood group, like, when the Ringwood group shows up for a event, we're going to all perform quite well because we've been testing and practicing together. Um, teams are kind of becoming a thing in card games. Uh, I don't know if L5R it's kind of permeated yet, but definitely... Um, for other card games I've been playing, the rise of teams have kind of shaken things up. Like everyone will bring the same sort of deck um, and try and dominate the meta with uh, something that they've been testing for. I'm not sure if L5R will go that way because of the clan, pri- you know, prizes and loyalty, but um, it's nice to kind of yeah, have a growth together. I think that uh, especially at least here in the early days of Melbourne uh, for the new new game, we did have uh, Gatekeeper Games, rest in peace, uh, but that was a fantastic place to play, and there was a crew of us there. That's kind of it was my, before, before it uh, uh, stopped existing, um, that was my sort of local gaming store, and there was a, and Meg, who's a, uh, Meg, Meglin is a very strong uh, Scorpion player, also our fellow Scorpion player here, at, uh, here in Melbourne, um, and, you know, we had JK as well, so there were a few sort of, of us locals around there that would, would go there a lot, and... Um, that we did have a bit of pride helping each other out to make sure that when we went to good games in the city, the big city store, that we could all perform well. So I think yeah. it's nice nice to hear that that's happening out in Ringwood. And I know there's um, a store out in, uh, I think, uh, Hopper's Crossing, I believe it's called. That's uh, not necessarily very central, but they've got a crew. And I'm sure when that crew comes along for the, the tournaments there... Um, Eli and, and his friends have uh, have been practicing hard and they're going to they're gonna give us a good run for our money. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's kind um, of exciting. So, that's good. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll tell you, um, it was very interesting um, playing that local tournament there, realizing some things change and some things don't. Uh, the things that don't change are uh, Watch Command is still a very strong card, and it is really interesting to think about uh, attachment control and how we're still in this odd spot. There's more attachment control coming in Children of the Empire, but... Um, I think we often complain, well, we often talk about how the fact that other clans, like there's only limited clans that have attachment control and because the attachments are so strong that, you know, there's only a few viable splashes and we have to be playing either Scorpion or we have to be playing um, Dragon Splat as our splash if we're not playing those clans themselves. Uh, there is something to be said for um, the strength of what a deck's trying to do and can it do it by ignoring people's attachments. And I think that that's something up until now, it's been very, very hard to just flat out ignore attachments. If you're playing a crane deck and somebody drops, you know, a couple of watch commanders against you, um, it's very hard for you to win conflicts if uh, they're in every, if you've got a, you know, watch commander in every conflict there, because you do like to spend a lot of uh, event cards and, and, and you know, vice versa in, in you know, various other decks. Um, but I think now with those new previews and those spoilers we'll talk about later on, we're starting to see a lot of passive actions, like actions printed on cards that are holdings, provinces, 
characters that are actually quite potent and do swing conflicts so you have less reliance on your conflict hand uh, so i think that maybe the solution to attachments is not necessarily um attachment hate which is always going to be important and it's great that there's more attachment hate coming i'm not saying that we don't need it we do but um i think some decks will be able to find ways of dealing with it, dealing with decks that run attachments that are powerful like watch commander without just dealing with them directly dealing with them indirectly by letting your the rest of your game plan just work what are your thoughts on that um i'm not sure if you've tried much but i've found quite a lot of success in decks where i don't run attachment control i often don't run mia mystics and if i don't splash dragon or scorpion i very much have the philosophy of you just need to go for void rings and remove the characters that are running the attachments so you often have to cop the effect maybe once or twice but you just aim to void ring and just get them off the board as soon as possible um uh and i just find that seems to work a lot of the time uh in scorpion though i have been trying the collector a lot more and yeah that has so been definitely diff- different way of fetching yeah well in crab especially like you do have karate district but if that doesn't show up you you definitely go for the philosophy of assassinating a way of the crabbing and void ringing and just trying to clear their board um of the characters that are, have the attachments um i'm not sure if that's yeah. changed but that's that was always my philosophy on how to deal with it all right well um before we we get into the the spoilers and we've also got a, a special deck that glenn has prepared to talk about um i did want to just take us take a moment uh to cross over to um the interview that we recorded previously with the uh brisbane folks so brisbane is in queensland um northeast of uh sort of uh of australia um for those that that aren't from australia here it was a pretty good uh pretty good little chat that we had all about all, all things brisbane and they are quite a different sort of group to some of the groups that we have here locally and and they may be similar to to, to our listeners groups so they may be different but it's it was good to kind of hear a bit of you know some stories around um you know the legends of their play group or their sort of extended series uh, like the, the brisbane or queensland scene greater queensland scene and and what they're planning to do in the future so um might just pause here and we'll we'll cross over to there and we'll uh to to the the interview and we'll be back in a second g'day everybody uh thanks for that uh thanks for that intro there ben um this is ben again aka simkov uh here with some friends from brisbane um we have the brisbane scene uh, which is a big part of Australian L5R and has been for many, many years. And we're lucky enough today to be joined by a few of the crew. Um, perhaps uh, maybe starting from Adam, did you want to just uh, introduce yourself and let us know, I guess, how you got into the game and what your favourite clan is? Just a little bit of a intro to, 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 your, to your good selves. Yeah, thanks very much, Ben. Yeah, um, I'm uh, Adam, or some of you might know me as um, Daijaji Sune. Um, I've been, funnily enough, a crane player for about 20-something years. <laughs> I got into the game right at the start, and due to, as we are discussing off mic, um, an incredible amount of money spent trying to get one character, I decided to get out of the game for about two years, and then a mate of mine, Marty, came back, uh, got me back into it, and um, yeah, through both the roleplay and the card game, I, I just loved crane and so i've i've been in that for all this and time it should be said that uh very recently you were the the inaugural crane hatamoto for australia oh yeah yeah that was a that was a fantastic honor and getting to meet you guys down there 
That was a, a really, I felt, really well-run Kote. So hats off to Wayne. Thanks for that. Yeah, as always. All right. Who's next? Uh, I'll go. Uh, my name's Kyle. Uh, I am one of Brisbane's local Phoenix players. Uh, I got into the game basically hearing stories of old 5R, uh, like the community interaction with the, you know, the design, uh, development, and the story of the game. Um, you know, the ten, th the ten million Koku, the Kotes, all those kind of stories really drew me into the game. Uh, at the time, I was playing Magic: The Gathering. I think anyone who's ever bought their own product knows you cannot support more than one yeah. card game at any given time so um yeah it was uh when um i you know i'd taken a break from magic and um one of my the friends who kind of told me all these stories said they're starting a new game uh you know i thought i'll get in on the ground floor uh and um i, I essentially chose phoenix because they're a clan full of wizards and what's not oh, to love wizards. about that <laughs> Yeah. I think we have the legendary Chris as well. Yes, hello, thank you. Um, so I am a Lion player of old. Uh, I got into the game uh, in about gold, but I didn't really start playing in, like, like a friend of mine introduced me to the game. I was using his cards. Uh, it wasn't really until um, uh, the Diamond era where I really got stuck in and really started spending too much money on it um and um I, I played it almost all the way through to the end of the ccg and obviously when the lcg started you know i was all on board with that so um been a lion player right from early right. days <laughs> i think the brisbane scenes generally speaking it's either been the biggest or second biggest it's usually like always been a a big home for l5r it's been known from its l5r players i uh, my experience with brisbane is uh I haven't played there much, but many years ago in the, the older game, is I did fly up there for a, a Kote, and it was at a place called Ace Comics, I remember, and there was um, a pub across the road where we all had lunch. Does Ace Comics still exist? Is that still a place where people play, or where do people play these? Yeah, certainly. Um, Ace is actually where most of our leagues get played. Um, I, there's some other great um, places that we play at where there's they run some tournaments, um, including the Magic Vault uh, over north and another one called just the Vault in the city. Um, so shout out to them. Um, they run some great tournaments. What about you guys? I So uh, Chuck, who more or less runs the, uh, the the Brisbane scene, I'd say more or less. I've not heard of anyone trying to challenge him for it. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he's, yeah, he's the guy that got me into it. Uh, I play wherever he tells me to play. So it's is it's Chuck, is Chuck uh, is he is he the guy that used to be referred to as Slug or is that somebody else? No, that's someone else. Okay, I yeah. do remember Slug from the old game. He's, there's some names that I remember yep. from the. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. So Chuck used to be called uh, Chucky No Only. He used to be a very, ah, yes. okay. very big, yeah, very big Shadowlands <laughs> spider spider clan was his thing. Yeah. <laughs> but right. he's, he's you know just hurting us all with Dragon in the meantime while we wait mm. for Spider to be released. Yep, yep. Dragon, <laughs> Dragon was his backup clan, and um, yeah, so he's gone back to that. Ah, it's a baby. I hear a baby in the background. Eh? <laughs> this is Sorry. fantastic. I guess one of the things that's quite interesting about Brisbane, um, apart from the fact that it's uh, it's in a, uh, it's, it's it's very very far north northeast. I guess is uh, for those who don't live in in Australia that we've got 
we actually have more international listeners than we do Australian listeners. So, so howdy to the Canadians and Latvians and Icelandians. Oh, <laughs> I definitely say hi to all those people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, so before we get into maybe a little bit about what makes Brisbane unique from an L5R perspective, um, so what, what what is Brisbane or Queensland like? Why would people want to go there? And 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 you know, from a holiday destination point of view, what do you love about? Why do you live in Brisbane or or, or Queensland in general? I don't know if you all live in Brisbane's the capital of Queensland. Certainly, <laughs> uh, weather. Yeah, definitely. Hand, hands the down. winter is amazing. Tell us about the winter. What's amazing about the winter in Queensland? It's because not because it gets down. It gets down. It gets down to the temperature that everybody loves. Yeah. You know, Standard living sucks. temperature is is, is, a, is Brisbane winter. Yeah, for, you know, for, for, for those of the, those people in the UK, you might imagine it to be somewhere close to your summer. Um, it's fantastic it's time of year. Yeah, it's. I, I my experience there is I've been up to the Sunshine Coast, which is not that far north, but it's uh, it's um, it's a fantastic place to visit. It seems to always either be sunny there, and when it rains, it doesn't seem to rain down. It seems to rain like diagonally. It's like viciously attacking me when it rains, and it's so heavy. It's just it's, like everything else in Australia. The, the ground doesn't really like the water, and, and the feeling <laughs> seems to be mutual. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, a bit of a tropical paradise up there. I love it, and uh, the Gold Coast um, is is in Queensland. I don't know how how often you guys get to the Gold Coast, which I know is a little bit uh, touristy, but I've spent a lot of time up there. Uh, in, at uh, tech conferences and, and, and business conferences, and man, man, I, man, I love going up there. But it's uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, do you guys spend much time in the Gold Coast? Uh, unfortunately, not for me. It's, it's, <laughs> it is one of those funny things I think for a lot of people in Brisbane, where uh, we have so many beaches that we can use. Yeah, uh, it's just another. Yeah, one. Well, like, I think we're to be equidistant from the sub- Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast, and then when you can't be bothered driving, there's just South Bank with this a little fake beach they've got set up there because you know we're lazy like that that's a fake beach in the city yeah i've been been up there when i went up there last time i'm like hold on aren't i actually in brisbane the city and i'm sitting on a beach what is going on here it's amazing i I absolutely love brisbane uh, and i come from western australia so it's kind of it's it's i always view brisbane as like what i wish perth was it's pretty close to it but it's just kind of a bit bigger and a bit sunnier (laughs) um all right cool so um, that's that's what makes Queensland a fantastic place to live, and I highly recommend anybody here if you're going on a holiday to Australia. Um, whilst Melbourne is the greatest city in Australia, uh, Queensland is a fantastic place to visit. It's got lots of places to go. So after you've been to Melbourne, definitely take a look at uh, at Brizzy. Um, there is a couple of other unique things just about the way that you guys play up there as well. Is um, and I'm sure there's a lot of uh, L5R dads out there. L5R tends to attract at least in Australia and. And certainly when I traveled across to, to go to Worlds, there was plenty of uh, older folk there, not necessarily your uh, 16, 17-year-olds. But in, in Brisbane, you guys have a few fairly, uh, some kids, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, we do. Um, we've got uh, Lachlan, who you would have met when you went down, when we went down to uh, Melbourne for the Cote. Uh, he's, a, <laughs> he's a 10-year-old prodigy. Yeah, I was going to say when you say kids, they are little vipers, and they will destroy you if you don't if you aren't careful. Yep, they're, they're, they are, they're, they're, it, it is amazing how quickly uh, they picked up on all of the nuances of the game, and they can play very very well. I think when I, when Lachlan came down to to Cote in in Melbourne, he was like four nil, and he was like round five against me, and he gave me a run for my money, and I was 
pretty scared. I, I got pretty lucky. I think that um, if the card draw had been slightly different, I don't think I would have got there. He's, he's 10 years old. He was playing a Lion's Switch deck, and he was piloting it like a pro. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually really funny. Um, Wade, uh, one of the boys, uh, he's about the same age. Uh, he actually plays Lion as well. So it seems to be, I don't know, Lion seems just to be the the thing for, for the younger folks. Uh, yes, uh, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're, you're young in mind as well, Chris, so that's fine. So does that's it create, um, is it a bit of a friendly atmosphere? Like, do the kids get, in, when the kids get involved there... Uh, is it is it much of a big deal? Is it is, are they do they fit in pretty easy, or what's the I guess what's the the general atmosphere there? Because you know compared to the the ultra competitive environment we see, some places are really casual. Like, is there is there many challenges in getting well, kids involved? I think when they're not around, it's less competitive. Um, <laughs> more casual. It, we're we're a lot more relaxed when the kids are there trying to you know dethrone us. You know we've we've got a. You've got to kind of really good concentrate, and yeah, it, yeah. It's I, just the quality, the quality of how like they they all play quite well, and um, and it's it's not a matter of oh the kids you need to pull your punches. It's it, you need to be on your toes just in case they just suddenly destroy you. So <laughs> yeah, I do I do like the environment that we play in though. Where we like in our leagues, we actually play um, pretty relaxed. Um, like sometimes you'll take an action, you'll be like oh. And then your opponent will say, "Oh, do you want to take that back?" You know, and and it's That's just cool. it's yeah, it's it's really it's nice, fun, friendly play. There is a bit of competitiveness to it. Don't get me wrong, because um, you know everyone likes to win, but it's not win at all costs. You know, it's like hey, we're we're here to be friends. We're here to have a social game. It's it's just it's all it, that fun. It, it's a lot of us also, you know. People like to, you know, try out new decks. People are trying to either yeah. nail down the the concepts they've got already. Like in general, we're all really good about. You know, forgiving these all errors or tactical, you know, whoopsies, just so that we're all learning. Like we're all learning these different interactions. We're all all getting better at the game. Um, yeah. And yeah, like it's, you know, even if it, even it's most competitive, that no one's there. You know, kind of bring, bringing the mood down by. Uh... There's, there's no tanties, no tantrums. No. no. <laughs> Actually, the, probably the thing that I think that's probably impressed me most has been. Um, like there's there's a, a lot of the old L5R players came over and been playing the new one obviously and and they've had a bit of a leg up in general just having previously played an LCG and a lot of the newer players who who started um, obviously started you know a lot of them hadn't really played anything like that before and uh, they all of them have been getting you know strides and strides better you know, all the time and uh, it's been really great to watch. Yeah. Um, and part of that's part of that's what we're just saying. The uh, you know, if, if, you know, if someone someone makes a mistake, you're going, oh, yeah, well, okay, excellent. Obviously, that was not something that you would do if you were fully cognizant of what this would be doing. So yeah, don't don't do that. <laughs> and, yeah, that's um, really cool. It, if we all if we all try and make each other better players, then it's more enjoyable for everyone. Yeah, that's one of the things that I also I love is um, our, our post game chats. So you'll you know you'll finish the game up and then it's not just right next opponent it's hey you know if when I was doing this I feel if you had have done you know action X that would have that would have really changed the game and then that just gives them insight into it piling their deck a little bit better you know I feel and I think that's that's just good if we can make the the game better then we'll all get better. Yeah, well, you guys sound like a lot more fun to play with than uh, than the rollers because we are. 
hyper competitive and we like nothing more than rubbing salt into the wounds when minor mistakes are made. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, hey and get... whatever, whatever helps you learn. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, they, yeah. it, they, they don't need to. There's no one who can rub more salt into my wounds than I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. But um, yeah, so, I mean, it sounds like a fantastic environment to play in and that's great. And I think that's one of the, re- one of the great things about Legend of the Five Rings in general because it does attract a wide group of people but also sometimes... Um, you know, potentially older folk than Magic and so and, and other games. So it does mean that you tend to get a pretty welcoming crew. And wherever I've been in Australia um, and, and, you know, across the world now, is uh, I've definitely felt that L5R is one of the most welcoming, well, the most welcoming community as far as, um, you know, card games go. And everyone, wherever I went, and especially when I went up to Koday in Brisbane, it was, it was like, oh, you know, maybe you, I've never met you before, but you're part of our sort of extended family. And it's, it's very, very welcoming. And I, and I recommend if you're, for whatever reason, uh, traveling through Brizzy, please contact these guys. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a, a local game there. Um, but it's not all, uh, it sounds like, though, that there is has been, it's not all just casual, quiet sort of games that we're all discussing. Um, I have heard occasionally things get a little bit crazy down there. And there was some sort of a crazy story you were going to tell me about some particular game that happened one day. Um, it, it's less a story about one game and a story about my entire career playing this game. I, I, have, <laughs> I have the seemingly magical ability to call out the, the one possible thing that could ruin me and it will appear. Like, it, doesn't, it doesn't always have to be the one. No, or in your case, it's a, it's a consecutive series of turns which ruined me. Yes. I mean, yeah, you know, he's you know, the only person I, I think I ever have played and, and had it had multiple times where it's like Lion's Pride Brawler turn one, turn two, turn three. Oh, one's in my discard pile. Oh, turn four, there's a Spirit Caller. That's great. Back to three. Uh, <laughs> you, need to pray to the, you need to make some offerings to the RNG gods. Oh, <laughs> I have sacrificed so much to them and they just shun me. <laughs> Uh, pl- playing a game last night, uh, you know, you know, you know, there's always that um, that chance you're walking into a either you know, a feast of famine or it's going to be a flooded waste or it's going to be X X Y Z province. I-, I can literally, no matter no matter no matter what it is or who it is, I can call it on a random coin toss. I will call inevitably that horrifying <laughs> that horrifying inevitability. Actually, that's true. Yeah, the, the game that we played yeah. against last night, or that I played against you last night, um, his, I, I just managed to honour my guest of honour, and it's like, she, she gets okay stats, like, you know, a, a 2-5 when she's honoured. Um, it was more so the first card that he ran into on his attack, he ran into uh, my dojo. Um, yep. <laughs> uh, sorry, magistration, sorry, magistration. And, um, and so I was like, cool, I'll defend. You can't take any actions. Cool. So and I do some stuff and win. Uh, then I straighten, and then come over. And uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, it was it was a little bit obscene. Um, in the uh, two rounds of the game, I had I think five conflicts where I had a uh, guest of honor. So it was. It hurts my soul, man. It hurts and my that, soul. That, yeah, and I I can only thank uh, Kyle's amazing skill at, uh, at drawing <laughs> out. It's like oh, you attack the perfect province to be able to do this. I, I, Actually, yeah. I, I make everyone's decks more consistent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I, I loved, I loved, the, I loved the game after that where you're playing against one of the local uh, unicorn players, and I think what your first attack, you managed to hit his restricted card, which he was just, just for jank's sake, running feast or famine. 
Why not? <laughs> so, so you, you, with, you just, yeah, with my Kaido with two doing? fade on her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. Absolutely lovely. <laughs> oh, uh, man, this game going to melt down some more D20s. <laughs> awesome. Um, so do you know that is Brisbane um, or Queen the Greater... Is, is, is it just concentrated in Brisbane or are there some playgroups in Rockhampton and other places? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, actually, I wanted to give a shout-out to um, groups in... Uh, Bundaberg, um, Harvey Bay. Uh, so yeah, so there's about five in Bundaberg. Uh, there's about yep. eight. Uh, last I saw in Harvey Bay, I went up there for a tournament. It was it was amazing. Um, and um, and actually, and because Bundaberg and Harvey Bay are only an hour and a little bit away from each other, they often migrate to each other's tournaments. So that's that's really good and, oh, and shows great. the spirit of the game. Yeah. And also up in uh, Townsville, there's also a good uh, tournament scene up there. And uh, shout out to. Um, Graham Hay for smashing me in the the last Discord league, knocked me out of the final. <laughs> Thanks for that. No, but he he was an amazing player and um. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's gone very very far in the uh, Discord league. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's as far as I'm aware. Uh, if any of you guys, other guys know, uh, we got about twenty five to thirty players in Brisbane uh, locally. Um, I think I think there might be more, uh, but they might be some more casual players. And, um, also, I think sometimes players, because we've had a little bit of a break in, in product release, I think with the flurry of uh, Children of the Emperor, that all these clan packs, I think when people's favourite clan gets a clan pack, that mm. kind of might draw them back to the game for a little bit. I, I did notice, yeah, a, a bunch of people, I think it was the, from the Elemental Cycle, like, there was definitely a lull in attendance, but that, you know, that's natural when you've got the same meta for uh, however many weeks or months or whatever, um, yeah, any time for any game there's a, a large release comes out, people go, oh, yeah, what, what, can we, what can we do now? What's now possible? Yeah, yeah, I think especially with Children of the Emperor being so big, I think that's going to be a real real game changer. I don't even know if we've seen... Well, we've seen a lot of what the clans are going to be getting, but we haven't seen a lot of the generic cards, I think. No, they get, they so... get uh, previewed uh, next week. Mm, yeah, I look so forward to that. That's going to be, I think, probably one of the... the I know a good deal of the meta shift, perhaps. Um, yeah, a lot of the times there's that. a strong, strong neutral card can can really change the game. I think Censure was something that made the Imperial favor uh, really, really interesting when that card came out. There's, there is a lot of those cards which are kind of neutral cards because everybody can use them. <laughs> well, so yeah, like, what, what deck doesn't run Cloud the Mind or Court Games? Like, yeah, it's, exactly. it's it's a rare it's a rare <laughs> deck indeed. Yeah, and yeah, once you once you've got those HMT decks, but. Um, the, uh, <laughs> but once 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 we get such a huge glut of potential, just I think uh, neutral cards, uh, like a lot of those could really fundamentally change the, the the sort of the raw core part of people's decks. You know, you got fans, you got katanas, you've got you know the aforementioned cards, and what comes out of this, and yeah. we don't know what those are yet. And we, everyone's been staring at all these maybe quite powerful personalities and cards coming out for specific clans, but we don't know how that's going to get changed by the rest of the pack. Very true. So in the meantime, uh, are there any uh, big tournaments coming up either soon or in the near future in Brisbane that you, or in Queensland that, that you want to plug? Is there any elemental championships planned that you're aware of? Oh, I think we've I think we've put in for them. I don't think yeah. we've heard about them yet. Uh, what we have a tendency to do is um, a lot of the like clan packs and releases like those are done as uh, usually weekend a weekend tournament, but a lot of the quarterly um, quarterly ones are like we usually instead of having like a one weekend event, 
our local games night will have run it for four weeks and you only oh, yeah. have to you only have to participate in so many games so if you miss a week it's not a big deal and then you know it's based off um you know top of clan and and, and who the overall winners are of of that so um it gives a bit more consistency and reason for people to show up yeah and that's run every night no uh wednesday night at ace and we also have a tournament chuck um alluded to we've got a tournament coming up towards the end of february um so I think he might have some, some wind on uh, an Elemental Championship, perhaps. Well, when that Elemental Championship does get officially announced, I'll make sure we share it with the, uh, the greater roller community. Uh, and hopefully... Uh, and, I, and I think like if there is an Elemental Championship, I think this year, because these clan packs and the game's kind of... It's past its, sort of, it's past its infancy and it's now becoming a fuller game, I think we might start to see some folk travel um i think the travel bug's there and it's it's not that expensive especially if you're living in sydney or canberra or um melbourne to actually get up to to brizzy and it sounds like pretty welcoming community up there so pretty excited about i'd like to travel there at least once this year so yep. looking forward to that um and really thank be... you guys yeah oh, i was gonna say yeah and it also helps if you've got someone who can you can crash on their floor and shout out thanks merlin oh yes big thank you to <laughs> merlin for that and thanks wayne for organizing right. it again Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, oh, that yes. was the Kote last year. We all. Yeah. Things, um, so. yeah, and we're going to have in Melbourne some very large. Uh, well, as uh, we're going to have a large uh, national event at some point in Melbourne this year, which we'll announce once we've got our collective shit organised. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, and that I mean, Melbourne was fantastic. He's, he always lays down a welcome mat for anybody who uh, who travels down here. Um, uh, so yeah, so I'm sure that this year will be no different for uh, people travelling. Just contact us and. We'll, we'll help you out. Uh, so thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, before we before we let you go, uh, is there any anything that you wanted to plug? Any any sort of last comments, final thoughts you have for our uh, for our listeners? Uh, you know, for people who are just up and about Brisbane at any point, uh, Wednesdays at Ace uh, Ace Comics Annually. Uh, if nothing else, Chuck and I will always be there in the afternoon. So if you know if you want to meet new players as well, right? Like brand new people who were just thinking about trying the game. Yeah, no, anyone. So if anyone wants to either, you know, we're happy, like anyone in Brisbane is going to be happy to teach you the game because if nothing else, it gets more people into it. But um, yeah, if you are the if you're other new players, existing players, if you just want to hang out, play a couple of games, there's always going to be someone at Ace Comics on Wednesdays, um, and we'd, we'd love to meet you. Awesome. Right. I cool. think that's the uh, that you said it all. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Well. Thank you all so much for coming on and um, I would love to have you back on at some point in the future. Maybe when there's a, a big uh, a big Brisbane event, you can an elemental championship or whatever it happens to be, uh, you can come back on and, and tell us all about it. Sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Right. Yeah, thanks very much, Thank Ben. All right. All right. Uh, thanks for that. That was a, a great interview. Hopefully you all enjoyed it. Um, and uh, now let's... Uh, Let's maybe get into this new archetype that you've been talking about, Glenn. Um, do you want to tell us about this deck that you've been slowly iterating on and you think uh, is now ready for the mainstream? Uh, so there's two versions of it. Uh, the first one was uh, was inspired by a few of the Greek players running a mill deck out of uh, Phoenix, new box. Uh, and the philosophy there was that you used Oracle of Stones along with the Sepukun Truthseekers and... Uh, as well as three backhanded compliments to try and 
mill the opponent out while finding your three backhanders. And then when they get to eight cards, and so when they get to three cards in the deck, you can backhander them, uh, even if they're on like say eight honor, and get them get them the game loss. Um, that seemed quite effective, though very prolonged, uh, and often opponents could break before you uh, manage to get all all those pieces together. Because keep in mind, you are drawing them cards with your Oracle of Stones, and so it was very hard to decide when you use those cards. Um, but that was quite a fun deck, and you could mill people out, and they'd lose five, and you'd win the game. And then against Scorpion, they'd play Judy, and then you wouldn't win the game, and it would just feel really, really bad. But um, I so then I moved on to the Scorpion version, which uses the Heartless Intimidator, a card that I felt like hadn't had the recognition it deserved. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. What do you think about milling cards, Ben? Do you see the value? in removing copies of cards from opponent's deck, or do you feel that it's essentially the same as if they didn't draw it? They just didn't see it for the game? Uh, I think, I mean, if, if you're talking about, yeah, if if, uh, if there is any value in milling, I think I think the value in milling is more than just uh, making them recycle their deck to lose five on it. I think a lot of the value there is you actually get to see what's in their discard pile and by knowing what's in their discard pile it actually gives you information right so you, you now know that oh yep. I, I've, there's a forged in the discard pile so at most there is two forgeds in his hand so you know I, yep. think, I think the information having that information is is very very strong and I think now more and more and this is, it, there's, there's so many card draw effects in the game and people love to use their card draw effects so people will find themselves very very quickly getting uh, you know, close to the bottom of the deck. So if you have, um, you know, and I would almost recommend sometimes when people are playing, you know, these sort of mill decks, have you found any value um, when the games can go on for a little bit longer and people are actually, you know, you know, drawing more of their deck, making your deck like 43, 40, like 42, 43 cards, just having a few extra cards in there. So you kind of win that, you know, you make sure you win that race. Yeah, so my deck's at 43 cards at the moment, just so uh, I don't mill myself yeah. with the Oracle of Stones. Mm. But I I think that, um, like to your point, the reason I was trying this mill archetype was that my theory was that most decks have 40 incredible cards that go into their discard pile. And so if you manage to hit some really good hits off, like, say, Charge, Forge Edict, Fate Worse Than Death, you kind of reduce the strength of their conflict hand, well, not really forfeiting much of your own. Um, the real strength of Heartless Intimidator, though, is if you get two or three of them down, and then you start milling two or three cards off the top of the deck, um, it can kind of really ramp out of control. I versed an opponent recently where I managed to trigger, uh, I think it was three or four different honor effects over the turn, and so I milled, I think I milled 16 cards by the end of the turn because I had all three Heartless Intimidators out. Wow. You know, and that's quite terrifying to lose 16 out of 40 of your cards just from uh, a passive character effect. Um, yeah, I I just think that the cool thing is that you can synergize, you synergize it with the Plagiarist. So I've been using the Illustrious Plagiarist uh, to, you know, copy really good events and then continue the mill afterwards. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of intricate synergies and it does seem quite fun to play. It can be quite hard to pilot because you're often forfeiting a lot of good defensive plays by like playing five fate for a heartless intimidator for instance um 
but I try to shore it up with things like display of powers and against the waves. And um, I actually dropped Forged Edict to run a Fate Worse Than Death and then run three centers in a Yogo Kikue to make up for the cancels. <laughs> Crazy. Um, okay, is there anything... Uh, so we'll, we'll give you the deck list in the description here of the... Um, of the podcast um have you tried running that a deck against the gauntlet style decks like your crabs and dragons that are running rampant at the moment i versed i versed a crane unicorn crab and dishonor phoenix were uh, are my four decks so far that i've tested a few games against each i have been too afraid to try dragon uh, my, my theory would be that dragon it's going to be it can be quite hard to win by the mill, but you can win by Dishonor because you are pressuring their hand to the extent that unless they find Mitsu to kind of recur their cards back into their deck, um, you're going to have a good time. Yeah, I guess if you get rid of a couple let goes and you've got um, Cloud the Mind, it, Mitsu might be... You can mitigate Mitsu sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, it, it, like I said, it's sort of a work in progress. Um, I don't know if the three centers over three forged is correct, but I am running three fawning diplomat to try and and keepers to try and get the the favor. Generally, H- have you tried scorpion with keepers? By the way, it's very it's very weird. It's very yeah, weird sort of experience. Pre, pre the have keepers change, and scorpion. Oh, sorry, pre the restricted list change. I was definitely my my strongest deck uh, sort of post worlds. Uh, and pre-restricted list in that little tiny period there was a uh, keeper based um, scorpion deck that was running uh, void fist uh, three hurricane or single copy of void fist three hurricane punches and then some of the uh, with the leftover influence I was using uh, ancient masters and you know I think there was one or two tattooed wanderers in there and man it was it was great I tell you what having those um, having those uh, monks available <laughs> and the keepers was absolutely fantastic they did a lot of damage uh it's different then because i started experimenting with crab a bit uh, or started trying to learn how to play them because you do have to learn how to play them fate management is really difficult with that clan uh keepers in crab i think just feel super super strong same with lion because their box just really accentuates you know, you know the the potency of them because they count as two force instead of one force uh with scorpion they're more about having a body so whether that means being able to start a conflict or it means being able to defend a conflict and not lose an honor it's i i, I found them fantastic um still not quite uh still figuring out how to use them now within scorpion and to be honest i'm kind of waiting around the children of the emperor before i put too much thought into how scorpion goes uh so i'm kind of stuck a little bit on this environment to be honest maybe if you like can run the seal of the scorpion and then utilize some effects off their uh, shinobi traits might be good you're becoming the seal of moto glenn <laughs> you're loving those no, I, I, just, I just I, I don't i think there's two cards that trigger off shinobi so you could try it but um more than two. Yeah, the keepers are interesting in scorpion but more so than other clans i just don't know how they fit other than they give me glory for the favor yeah i don't know <laughs> all right so there yeah. was some other pretty big stuff happening um the incredible amount of elemental championship events that are occurring have re- they started rolling out last weekend uh we had uh 
I think there were six, one, two, three, four, five, six. There were seven events of which six there were results reported for that I could find. Um, what's really interesting, so these are essentially the first decent sized events um, for this, this current meta. And the results are, I think, very, very heartening. There were two crane winners, a dragon, a phoenix, a crab, and a unicorn. So it was a really, really huge spread. And it's really, it's the first event of note uh, that I'm aware of that Unicorn have won in the history of New 5R. That was, congratulations, Chris Hornsey. That was in the London Elemental Championship at uh, Dark Sphere uh, in, yeah, in, in London, in, in, the, in the UK. Um, I think they're in the European Union still. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> um, right. But anyway. Uh, I, 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 but just, I think I would preface this by saying that these tournaments are quite prestigious they're the equivalent of regionals for other ffg games and so to win one uh with a significant player count at most of these tournaments is uh yeah very good very great achievement and so we should commend all of them um well, chris it's won, not hard to go it, yeah chris won with a field of uh there was 30 30 people playing in that tournament yeah um and you know darren hazelden was there who pretty much every tournament he goes to he always does really really well um, and there's a few other names there. I'm not the, the uh, UK expert, but there's quite a few other names there um, of people who, looking at their Lotus Pavilion records, seem to have done quite well elsewhere. Uh, and he defeated a Scorpion uh, in the final. Uh, but he had to, if you look at, you know, he kind of had to beat everybody. He beat a Dragon, yeah. you know, so beat a Dragon in the um, the semis. He had to beat a Lion in the, the, the top eight, in the quarterfinals. So you know, he he kind of faced off with a lot uh, against a lot of different clans. So, uh, do you think it's very? Do you think it's positive that we're starting to see more clans dominate, or do you do you prefer environments where there's kind of like two or three major powers, or do you like a bit of variety? No, I I like the metas where you can uh, have been testing something kind of not known in secret and bring it and kind of really show your hard work and have it pay off quite significantly. Um, through both calling the meta and playing, you know, a really tight game. Uh, that Unicorn deck in particular, like, I really, really liked the way it was built. Um, and I think Unicorn were in a place where if you have a really great pilot and you have a really solid deck, you have every chance as any other clan to get to that, uh, you know, in tournament winning level. Yeah, um, yeah the diversity is great. I, I definitely, it means, I feel like that's encouraging to the broader community that, um, people can feel comfortable bringing any deck to a tournament and feel like they have a very fair chance of making it to the top. I think... Um, I'm, not convinc- I'm not convinced there's like one or two st- super strong decks. I feel like it's quite broader than that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I love to see as the card pool is getting deeper, we are seeing a lot of variety in um, the decks that are having success. I think if we look across here, uh, there was Tom Mazenville. He he won the, um, the North Olmsted, Ohio... Uh, elemental championship with a crane splashing scorpion uh which is good to see uh and so did ronnie ronnie was up in uh ontario ontario in uh, sorry toronto in uh, canada there and he he again he's he's a very strong player he's beaten me many times in global discord league and uh definitely beat me at worlds <laughs> um and he's a great crane player so he recorded a win which is no surprise uh james matthews won with uh, dragon crab um that's the traditional dragon crab uh, deck that was actually taken off Fro's video. Um, that was so that was up in uh, in Kansas, <laughs> in Kansas, uh, and I think he beat uh, 
well, the beat slash con, uh, slash there may have been the concession. Um, Fro playing Unicorn. So Fro top was playing Unicorn in the final. So that was a top two finish for Unicorn. So that's of the first five events, at least two of them had, you know, top two. It was a win and a, and a second place. So that was a, a big deal. Um, and then, you know, we had uh, Phoenix one, uh, you know, Matthew Grenier with the Phoenix Dragon combo. Uh, he, he had a win in Wisconsin. And then Max. So Max is, uh, Max Williams, uh, he's a guy, um, I played him up in at Worlds, actually. He's a well-known crab player, and he tends to boast a lot of good results. So I think it's absolutely no surprise that he managed to, to win as well. So it's it's quite a, quite a broad field. But we are seeing, what I like is we're seeing... Uh, players that are known to be fairly strong, plus some some new names up there, uh, you know, winning these elemental events, they are being treated quite seriously. But there is a variety of clans taking them down, and hopefully, as we see all of the events going forward over the next few weeks, uh, I know of at least uh, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine uh, elemental championships happening this weekend, um, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and we've started seeing streaming. The Canadians uh, streamed their event. Uh, and we did have some streaming out of um, the, I think, maybe it was Dark Sphere. I'm not sure. There was some other, one of the other um, tournaments did cast as well. So there, it's good to see some some community getting involved, uh, streaming these, like, live streaming games I find to be very, very exciting and a lot of fun to watch. So I spent a bit of time over the weekend uh, having a beer, watching these games, being excited, writing down my notes. Um, so that was, I think it's a lot of fun and we're starting to see the community build to a bit of a fever pitch i think this tournament series uh has has proven so far it's only week one but already quite quite a success don't you think yeah no definitely it uh, like you're saying if this matter has been one of the longest in the card games uh life you know life cycle so far uh it's great that there is not really this giant gap uh, of prestigious events and that rather that there's this great circuit of uh, elemental championships and co-ties um, where people can kind of refine their decks before the meta shifts again with uh, monthly products we coming out. two major events as well this weekend. We've got Warpcon Phoenix, uh, sorry, Warpcon Cote, which is in Cork in Ireland, and then we've got the Phoenix Cote, uh, obviously in Phoenix, in Arizona, in the, the United States of America. So there's two, there's a US and a um, Ireland Cote happening, and the Cork Cote from memory had... Uh, I mean, Cork's held a lot of big events like pre, like in old 5R as well. Um, so I think it's going to be exciting to see. I think they'll get some good numbers there. Um, I think they had, I don't, I can't remember how many they had last time, but that was the Cote where uh, Matt Light uh, playing Scorpion won last year. Uh, and he was, there's an interview, I think if you look look up that date, around about that time, you'll see, you, there was an interview with him on Jade Throne. So if you want to hear, and I think he was pretty sure he was on, I think he did like a tour. In those days, if you won a Cote, you got kind of to to wear the like Tour de France sort of yellow jersey and do a bit of a, a media <laughs> tour there. I think he was on Troll Five R and and pretty much every other news outlet that would uh, that would let him talk. Um, so he's out there defending his title. See how that goes. Uh, but I'm I'm really looking forward to see to seeing those Cotes and seeing um, what 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 do you think's going to be up there? Like, do do you think that we're going to get a a first unicorn Cote win this weekend? Uh, certainly doable. Uh, I'd like Crab to take one for the team. I'm <laughs> not really familiar with who is actually going to that event, but I'm sure that uh, the usual Dragon Scorpion will be there threatening. But I'd really like a push for Unicorn to make it 
to the uh, to the top of the top of the food I, chain. I do hear that there potentially might be um, one or more of the Greek contingent making the cork cote. So I'm very excited to see how those Greeks do there if they do manage to make it. That will be exciting if yeah. they go. <laughs> I love those guys. Um, but I think it's it is an interesting point we're at where I think that um, you know if we look back on on past sort of past metas, past restricted environments, you could kind of put your money on it that, you know, it was either going to be Scorpion or Crane winning, and then eventually you got to the point where Dragon started winning Kotes. But, like, there was really only, you know, it was very rare that anybody won that wasn't Scorpion or Crab. So it's nice to see that shifted around. Um, so I'm... And, and whilst I am a diehard Scorpion player, um, and I would love to see Scorpion win every tournament, I know that that's not necessarily the healthiest thing for the game. <laughs> I can barely admit it but it is true um so i am very excited to 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 hear um what happens there i'm i just i think unicorn i'm gonna call it i think unicorn are gonna make the top four but i think they're gonna get knocked out in the semis and i just feel like i just feel like we're gonna see a very very tough crane v crab slog fest in the final that's my guess at cork i don't know about phoenix i don't know those those mm. guys but i just feel like that's this what's gonna happen i feel like we're gonna see lots of crane uh, I think we're going to see a lot of crane and a lot of crab do really, really well, and we'll see one or two unicorns that have figured out the magic formula almost make it. That's my guess. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're hedging your bets, but uh, <laughs> I think yeah, I think I think it'll be I think it'll be a great event. Uh, I don't know, man. Unicorn, unicorn, right now, I, I'm a bit worried as to the the fact that they're getting so many quality cards in just the next two releases. Uh, they just with the Fateless and Death going away, they seem very much on the cusp, if not at the top. Like, if they draw well, which you know every deck can do well if they draw well, but if they draw well, it's very hard to stop them. If if they break two or three on turn one, it's very hard, yeah, uh, to stop their momentum. But yeah, so that's exciting. Uh, it sounds like two competitive co ties. A uh, wide range of fields and uh, Simkov hedging his bets as usual on who will win. <laughs> I'm a big fan of L5R and Legends of the Five Rings will be the winner at the end of the day. All right. You just you just spreading your clan loyalty just a bit too thin, mate. <laughs> right. So um, just to close it out, is there where a bunch of new previews dropped um, and you can tune into your favorite podcast to uh, hear detailed analysis? But if you're still listening to us, we'll talk about them too. Um, was there one or two cards that you thought were fantastic that you would want to talk about, Glenn? Yeah, I, I think maybe uh, I'd like to talk about two in particular. Um, I think Illustrious Forge, the province. It's yeah. four strength, and it has the re- it has the reaction after this province is revealed. Dash search the top five cards of your conflict deck for an attachment and put it into play attached to a character you control. Shuffle. And it's fire. Um, right? It's a fire. I think this deck. It's a fire province. I think this province seems very strong in certain decks that start running slightly stronger attachments. Um, there's a quite a large range of two cost attachments currently, and like if you want to get full value, um, you obviously want to go for those. You obviously do not want to put pit trap in your deck <laughs> uh, because you won't have a legal target for it here. Um, right, so PSA, um, crab players need to consider taking out those pit traps because I think it's a it's a pretty standard three X, right? Like it's a three times in most crab decks, so they need to reconsider well, that card. In 
in in my secret Kotai testing deck, it is a three of, but uh, <laughs> otherwise no. It's, that uh, it's is definitely amazing. definitely not a staple oh. in the crab deck, <laughs> but it uh it uh it's yeah it's to a character you, you control. So you really want like Sashimono, Way of the Dragon, um, the two cost attachment from Phoenix that's champion only, that has yet to see play, but that's that's an option. Um, yeah, there's a, you, you know there's a whole heap of great two cost attachments that will just get let go. But if you get to play them for free. Uh, I feel like that's a pretty good trade for a fire province in particular. Do you worry that uh, I'm not sure the fire province? Do you worry that because it's only on reveal, yeah. so it's not a repeat effect? Like, is it the sort of thing that maybe you put on your stronghold to kind of go for a bit of a prayer card, or is it? Can you see it in some decks where there might be potentially more aggressive if you use it to push edges? Like, where 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 can you see applications for this card? Where will it work? Uh, maybe in charge dragon. Because you can then charge over three turns and run attachments the Kitsuki Yuruma. So you could like charge him out, flip it back face down. It'll immediately, f- uh, and then like the following turn, it can flip back up. And so you could you go just grab like talisman them into it again. You can also go grab a reprieve, right? Yeah. God, I love that. Um, I like that. So Yuruma becomes so a you bit could of a like, You could just, ke- yeah, you could like, you know. Anything that has when revealed, I always think that maybe he's the one you want to put it in. I will say, though, that if you do run it in Dragon, you are giving up Restoration of Balance. And so maybe this is just my secret plan to nerf <laughs> the, <laughs> the Dragon decks. Okay. couple of points. But it, it, it's, an, it's an interesting effect, and I really... Yeah. Restoration of Balance seems good. I, I think... Yeah. I think, I, like I said, I think it's more that you get a free attachment, and then they have to expend a very limited set of attachment removal to remove a very costly attachment that you paid no fate for like it's i think it's quite good because like if you just whack a sashimono off this onto someone it kind of needs to be answered um yeah quite soon um you know a free watch commander uh free talisman there's you know it's, it's i feel like it's, just, it's a good province um even if it just happens once in a game it can just help you get that edge in a conflict yeah. and was there another card you said you wanted to talk about um was... the other card i was interested did you sorry did you have any other thoughts on on it or uh i guess no um or... yeah, yeah i guess did you have it? there was a card um i want to talk about the kikita dojo i think that's a fantastic yep. card um well, I guess there's there's kind of the Kikita Dojo, and then there was um, the the other holding that got revealed last time, which was uh, the Kikita Dojo lets you bow people as a jewel. It's like a cool holding. Um, so it's it's the Dojo, which that trait is becoming more and more uh, common. So I'm guessing we're going to see a neutral card that relies around the Dojo trait. Uh, and this is action during a military conflict. I'm oh, sorry, during a conflict, so it can be any conflict. Initiate a military duel, resolve the duel. Until the end of the conflict, the duel's loser cannot trigger its abilities. If the duel's winner is a duelist, bow the duel's loser as well. So this card, to me, it's primarily a bow um, because you're going to be running it out of a duelist deck and sometimes it will turn off people's abilities. I think it can be played around quite well in terms of the the sort of mini blanking effect, but I think it's very, very strong as a on-the-table bow and it will make uh, Crane Provinces harder and harder to take. Uh, and I think that in crane decks that are running more and more um, conflict characters, you can probably get to the point where you can just hold 
like two holdings statically in your province and you know at the end of the turn and not worry if, if you get a sort of quote quote unquote bad flip from your dynasty potentially if the duelists are coming you just kind of want to keep your duelists on the table and and i think this is the beginning of uh, of you know what will become that sort of very defensive style crane that's so hard to so hard to penetrate because i think up to this point here crane had been played successfully when they're very very aggressive um and this is kind of the the opposite of that i guess you could do it when you're attacking as well right it doesn't have to be in defense so maybe it's just a, it's, it's just really good it's pretty good man like you can you can use doji challenger right you can hook someone in and then do the duel oh and then so like who cares if you win or lose like you don't just like a you, monster you, of a card, you've already right? used your triggered ability um also like brush samurai like oh uh honor him put a seal put a seal on him <laughs> and then it just like like just go to town as like a uh, you know, like a 4v something and just yeah, deny sure. their triggered ability. Um, it offers a more intricate game, I feel, and it also is, because it's a holding, uh, earth roll becomes slightly better because you can run sabotage to kind of just turn all these sort of things off. I feel like that card will see a um, lot of play, like more than a one-off now, and I feel like uh, every time I see these all of these new holdings roll out, I definitely think Peasant's Advice is going to pick up in popularity. Yeah, and also I think that it it also reveals why rebuild is probably a suitable choice for the restricted list. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I feel like I definitely want to be able to remove these holdings and not feel like they're just immediately going to come back on the board. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um. All right. Well. Uh. Thanks. I think I think that's that's enough previews for now. Um. We've kind of reached our our coming close to the end of the episode there. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, anything you wanted to plug? Any final comments there, Glenn? No, just the, there is CanCon for Australia uh, next weekend. Uh, not this weekend, the, the weekend after. Yeah. And so while all these co-ties and elemental challenges are going on and championships, uh, it's great that some of the Australian community will be getting together uh, and trying to uh, prove who is the best while at a board game convention. So that'll be exciting Excellent. to see what happens there. All right, well... Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, uh, and we'll be back next week. Uh, let us know. Please uh, leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find... I'm, I'm not... You know, there's no there's no money in it for us. It's just if you leave a review for us, then it helps other people who are looking for Legends of the Five Rings podcasts to find us before they find, uh, you know, Jade Throne or Six Rings or Troll 5R or you know, any of those other podcasts out there because we want them to, to come to us. So do that. Um, thanks everybody and uh, uh, until next week keep on rolling